Hi, it's Mike Corbett here, the national official for NASGWT in Scotland. And I'm introducing to you our Better Deal for Teachers podcast. Uh, it's going to be a series of podcasts which explore a variety of issues across education in Scotland. Uh, and most importantly, talk to some of the key people about education in Scotland. And that will include from time to time some real live teachers. This month in our Better Deal for Scotland's Teachers podcast, we're going to be speaking to NESWT Scotland national official Mike Corbett about the year ahead for the NESWT in Scotland. So, Mike, uh, the NESWT made big waves last year on its um, behaviour campaign uh, and gained lots of attention from local newspapers, national media outlets. What impact do you think that's had uh, on the situation and behaviour in schools? What are the big milestones that we should expect in terms of our behaviour campaign this year? And I suppose, on this, based on the success we had last year, where do we go next? What's the What's the aim? What's the next steps? Well, I think we, as you suggest, we certainly managed to make a big impact in terms of behaviour issues in schools last year. And I think the biggest impact was we made the Cabinet Secretary for Education sit up and take notice, basically. Um, we had a number of motions at our Scotland conference in May that revolved around behaviour issues and violence and abuse in schools. Uh, to give her her due, she came and made a speech at that conference. But the those motions, the questions to her afterwards, obviously alerted her to these issues. Um, these, I think, were reinforced quite significantly um, with our appearance at uh, a special education committee in June to discuss violence and abuse in schools. Uh, and it's that that then seemed to accumulate and make the Cabinet Secretary announced a series of national summits on relationships and behaviour. So she made that announcement in June um, and there were a series of three national summit meetings in the autumn. Um, we at NESUWT had a significant input to those. I attended one of those and one of our national executive members, who's a classroom teacher, attended a couple and we shared all of the information we'd had from members via surveys and comments etc about the crisis in behaviour that is there in Scotland schools at the moment. So that I think was quite significant and getting the, the person in charge of education in Scotland to set up, take notice, set up a series of meetings was all good. Unfortunately the immediate response of the Cabinet Secretary to those national summits and all that was shared there was disappointing, I have to say. Um, very much it was a plan to then have an action plan and there was £900,000 mentioned of extra funding for training for teachers somehow as if they were the problem. Um, there was some pretty robust messaging to the Cabinet Secretary about that response uh, and already again to be fair to her uh, an acknowledgement that she thinks maybe that could have been handled better. Since then we've had uh, the first version of that 
action plan, um, which we've circulated to some of our senior activists. We've got some feedback that's been given on that. So I'm hopeful that we'll get some concrete national advice soon coming out of that action plan. Nevertheless, there are still some problems in the background. I think a key example would be Education Scotland um, managed to revise and update some of its advice on behaviour without any reference to ourselves as a body or our teacher members. Um, so that has caused some difficulties, although we've invited them to come and address some of our senior activists at our Scotland Executive Council uh, next month in February to try and explore that further. Um, and still, I would say, problems in the foreground every day at many of our schools um, where there are incidents daily of abuse of teachers, of other pupils, of violent incidents, whether that's towards teachers or other pupils. So there, there's definitely still a big problem out there. I suppose we welcome some of the work that's been done so far in at least acknowledging the problem at a national level, but we absolutely need some kind of national action and support for teachers. Um, otherwise, and I hesitate to say this, but we might end up in a position where we were at just over a year ago at a secondary school in Glasgow, where our members initially took action short of strike action and then were forced to take strike action around the incidents of violence and abuse that were occurring in their schools. So we don't want to get there. Um, we've given government and local authorities the opportunity to, to discuss, to explore, to highlight what the problems are at the moment, but we absolutely need some solid action on that soon. So as always, lots to, lots to be done, uh, but lots also has been done. So that's great. Um, I guess in terms of behaviour, that's that's one strand of our sort of better deal for Scotland's teachers campaign. The other, which will be in you know teachers' minds, our members' minds, is pay, um, because we'll be coming up to uh, the next round of pay negotiations. Um, obviously, the cost of living still uh, still very much there in the back of people's minds. Um, and obviously, it'll be very different this year than it was um, last year and the year before. So what should members expect in terms of pay? What what have we been doing around pay? What will we be doing in 2024? And how can members feed in? How can they make sure that we know what they think about um, the pay deal that's going to be coming up? Well, I think on pay, first of all, before we look ahead, it is worth reflecting on what has been done and what a lot of our members uh, did in order to secure a pay deal last year. Um, it is January as we speak. Um, teachers have just had 2% uh, added to their salaries, um, unless they're earning more than 80,000, in which case there's a, there's a cap on that 2%. Uh, and that is the third and final instalment of the pay deal that was agreed last year. But of course, that pay deal um, took so long to agree that it actually covers the period from April 2022 through to July this year, 2024. Um, and firstly, you know, I want to acknowledge the magnificent job that our members did last year in standing up for their rights, in demanding more of government and employers. Because again, if we reflect on what was originally offered, it was a paltry 2% was the very first offer 
back in 2022. Um, and there were various iterations of that and slight increases uh, until we got the, the finally agreed award uh, last year with these three different instalments. And comparatively, it, it, it seemed a reasonable deal at the time, but I do think it's worth remembering that each of the three parts of that pay deal, not one of them matched inflation at the time that it was given. And that runs through to, and includes right now, so 2% added this month, and that's to take teachers through until, until August, and inflation is still running significantly higher than 2%, whichever measure of inflation you look at. And I think that feeds into what remains one of our, our key messages to government and to employers, which is that for most classroom teachers, they are still receiving significantly below what they would or should be paid if salary rises had matched inflation since 2010. So we've had over a decade um, of pay freezes, real terms pay cuts with, with a very occasional blip where there's been an attempt to, to change that. And then we've reverted to type and we've been back to more real terms pay cuts. And, and that really cannot go on. And that's one of the reasons why NESUWT uh, recommended a pay claim of 8% for the forthcoming pay year of 2024-25 to try and recoup some of those losses from that past decade or more for teachers. Now, the teacher unions as a whole uh, have eventually decided on a 6.5% pay claim for that 2024-25 period. And we would hope that negotiations on that can start soon and with a view to any agreed pay rise being implemented from the 1st of August this year. So obviously we'll keep members advised of developments during these negotiations. Um, but I think we have had not just last year, but the, the pay deal prior to that, a couple of years before that, we've had serious concerns about the approach taken by COSLA, the umbrella uh, body for local authorities in terms of pay negotiations, which just seem to have been unreasonably, unnecessarily delayed. Um, and that in itself has, has led to a lot of angst, a lot of concern um, and, and some bad feeling, I have to say, um, at the negotiating table. So that message has been put across pretty clearly to Scottish Government, to COSLA, um, and I would hope that negotiations can begin in earnest uh, next month in February uh, and hopefully get that thrashed out before the summer holiday so that teachers get a decent pay rise in their salaries come August this year. Thank you, Mike. Um, we live in hope. We live in hope. Um, hopefully that'll happen. Um, I suppose the, the, the last bit that's probably worth touching on is the final strand of our Better Deal campaign, um, which I know will obviously make up a key part of our focus in 2024. Um, and that's our sort of um, our plans to tackle workloads. Um, and I know that, you know, personally as an organiser going to uh, school play, uh, school meetings in the workplace and meeting with members, it's something that they talk about time and time again. And I think it's, you know, it's very much linked with the previous point around behaviour and pay. Um, so I suppose what's what's going to be done on this front um, in 2024? Um, what did we do in 2023 that we can build on? Um, and I suppose what do we still need to win? Um, you know, how, how can members help us win that sort of fight? 
Well, I think, firstly, I mean, our main aim in 2023 on that workload front was to try and get the Scottish Government and COSLA to make good on the SNP manifesto commitment of a 90-minute reduction in class contact time for all teachers, which was then enshrined in the Scottish Government's programme for government in 2021. There was a commitment that that would be taken through and delivered in the lifetime of this parliament. So it's frustrating that um, pressure that we've put on and others you know, since that announcement was made uh, in 2021 have just led to continued delay, obfuscation, and indeed the latest announcement from the cabinet secretary just, just a couple of weeks ago um, was that while she's still committed to um, this reduction in class contact time, she thinks it will make a difference to teachers. She understands why teachers need additional time, but at the same time, she admitted that it would not happen this year. So there's a, just a constant attempt, it would seem, to, to kick the can down the road in terms of this um, promise. Um, one of the reasons why there's been a failure to agree was around what the actual time was going to be used for. Um, as you say, you know, you, you know, Lewis, because you're out and about in schools, and I know talking to our members, that although they have some guaranteed preparation and correction time, that is hardly ever enough to actually do all of the lesson preparation they need to do in a week, or to do all the marking and assessment that they need to do in a week. So from our point of view, uh, that additional 90 minutes, when it comes, should be in the gift of the teacher to decide as a professional how they're going to use it, whether they're going to um, use it for preparation for marking, um, because that seems to be what, what most we want to use it for. Um, but there were attempts, they seem to have died down a little now, there were attempts on the part of both the Scottish Government and Coastal negotiators to, to basically have a piece of that pie, I think, of that 90 minutes and, and say, oh, well, you know, maybe some of that should be collegiate time and be part of um, the working time agreements, or maybe some of it should be devoted to professional development. Or I actually remember chatting to someone from the General Teaching Council for Scotland and they were making a bid for, oh, we could maybe use some of that time. So suddenly, you know, everyone's paws are in about that, that time trying to get a piece of it. Um, and we have resisted that throughout. Uh, and that's that's been one of the, the sticking points. But as I say, ho hopefully it is a, it's a commitment from Scottish Government. It's supposed to be delivered in the lifetime of this Parliament. So although disappointingly the Cabinet Secretary has said it's not going to happen this year, well, we'll push even harder to make sure it happens next year. Um, but we did write to her formally last week expressing our concerns you know, about that messaging, about the fact that you know, it seems to have been kicked into the long grass again. But we did also highlight that there are other things the Scottish Government and employers can do in the meantime to try and address excessive teacher workload. So interestingly, in England, and we rarely look there for, for inspiration or for advice or suggestions, but they currently have what is called the Teacher Workload Task Force, and that has just announced that they are going to be reinserting a list of bureaucratic tasks that teachers and leaders should not be expected to do into their school teachers' pay and conditions document. Now, those who are longer of tooth will know 
that we in Scotland had such a list of clerical and administrative tasks that teachers should not carry out. Um, and we've highlighted to the cabinet secretary that's a simple thing that can be reintroduced here too. Um, and that would give teachers that power to say, well, look, you know, I'm not, no, I'm not collecting lunch money because that's not my job. I'm a professional, I'm here to teach. So that's something we've suggested. We've also alerted the cabinet secretary to the fact that many of the key drivers of workload are exactly the same as those that were identified uh, almost a decade ago in uh, a national tackling bureaucracy report. So we suggested the Scottish government could take the lead, encourage local authorities to examine these key workload drivers uh, and seek to streamline them and address them. You know, nobody needs any anything dramatic done and agreed nationally to get these things moving forward. So the kinds of things I'm talking about here are forward planning, especially in the primary sector where too many of our members say they're expected to produce reams and reams of forward planning documents and it's it's a bureaucratic nightmare. Um, assessment, particularly in the in secondary school, that's more of a, a secondary school issue where <clears throat> there's excessive assessment, you know, if pupils move, oh well, assess them. Um, and this just-in-case culture, especially in the senior phase, oh, just in case we need that or we need to prove something. So that's something that could be addressed. Monitoring and reporting. And so spreadsheets that teachers need to, to fill out. I think a particular bugbear at the moment um, is this advent of monthly tracking of where pupils are at. Monthly tracking, where are they at? Put in, put in grades or numbers that say where they're at and how they're doing. Now, no one has an issue with given an indication of how pupils are getting on, but filling out a spreadsheet every month with a set of numbers that no one seems to read or do anything with is just a classic example of bureaucratic overload uh, and that could be addressed. Um, the final area in that sphere is improvement planning. So local authorities produce an improvement plan in education. Every school then produces a school improvement plan and we've seen evidence of some of these that are literally 50 pages long. You know, it's an improvement plan for a year, 50 pages long with 10 different priorities on it. Um, I mean, schools are setting themselves up for failure by having these ridiculously large improvement plans. So they should streamline those, you know, pick one key thing or two key things they want to try and improve across the year uh, and get on and do that. And again, get away from the bureaucracy. So there's all sorts of things there that, that we think Scottish Government could be taking a lead on in pushing employers to try and address um, and that would help our members. And I suppose the last thing to always remind our members of is their working time agreement. So each school has its own working time agreement that should be agreed, the clue is in the title, um, between the teachers, their representatives uh, and school management each year uh, and then that should be adhered to. So we do hear stories of again particularly maybe in the primary sector the primary head teacher just appearing with the working time agreement for sign off without any kind of discussion so there needs to be discussion and agreement um, and similarly we often hear and this is across the board um, individual schools that perhaps have a decent process for agreeing a working time agreement but then Three months, two months, three months into the school year, additional things suddenly appear that were not on 
the working time agreement and they, they, they're just expected to be done. So we'd be encouraging members to get involved in those working time agreement discussions. Certainly um, those tend to begin um, round about Easter time for, for the coming year. But as I say, in the meantime, if our members are feeling they're being asked to do too much, go back and check that working time agreement. What does it say? You know, because if it says you have a parents meeting uh, next week, then there really shouldn't be time for anything else um, in terms of collegiate activities. Uh, so I think there's certainly you know things that even our members could do at a local level as well. But we will certainly keep pushing Scottish government and uh, local authorities as employers to do something significant that impacts on our members and helps to reduce excessive workload. Thanks very much, Mike. I, I always think it seems incredibly short-sighted of um, employers in general, but specifically in schools, to um, put so much pressure and workload uh, onto employees because, you know, inevitably uh, it drives up illness, um, which then increases uh, concerns around workload and pressures on other people, which, you know, it's a sort of self-fulfilling prophecy, isn't it? Um, and sort of snowball. So it's great to hear that we've got lots of plans around that for 2024. Just to touch on that briefly, that is a, a significant point about the impact on our members and a variety of our surveys over recent years have shown increasing levels of stress and anxiety in our members, leading to more of them having to have time off. So you're, you're absolutely right when you say that. And we did do a presentation to the the Scottish Parliament's cross-party group on mental health just towards the end of last year, highlighting some of these figures from members um, and, you know, the impact on their mental health of excessive workload, but also of having to deal with increased incidents of violence and abuse um, in and around schools. So you're absolutely right. It, it is short-sighted. Uh, and if these things are not addressed, then they have an impact on, on teachers being off sick and then on teachers leaving the profession. Um, and, and more broadly, all of these things, that's the reason why they're, they're, they're key planks of our Better Deal for Teachers campaign, is they all potentially impact on recruitment and retention. And we are worried that there's both a, a, a looming recruitment crisis and a difficulty holding on to uh, you know, really experienced, excellent teachers. In fact, there was a, a story, I think, in the Scotsman just last week uh, indicating that there are, I think, the number of teachers who have essentially retired early has doubled in the past couple of years. So all of that feeds into just what you were saying there, that it does seem very short-sighted and could lead to a much broader crisis in the medium term if these things are not addressed in the meantime. And just, I suppose, finally, um, I suppose there's a, there's a lot of stuff we've discussed today that probably frustrates people. Um, probably makes people angry. Uh, there's probably other stuff we've discussed uh, today that probably make people feel a bit inspired, that there's something that can be done, that there's a bit of hope that things can be a little bit different in education and in wider society. So I suppose if people feel any of those range of emotions, how can they get involved? How can they get involved in 2024 and make a mark on the NESWT and also you know, education in Scotland? Well, members can get involved in, in any way they please. Um, I think at, at its simplest level almost, that might be 
just volunteering to be a workplace contact. So not, not a formal representative, but you're just a point of contact. Uh, that means you get key information and advice and posters, et cetera, that comes in. And you can be, you know, putting that stuff up uh, on display in your school, not just lets, you know, the wider membership and teachers more generally know what we're doing. Some of the things that we've discussed earlier in this podcast, um, because that sharing of information, I think, or I would hope, helps to to energize members or reassure them that you know we are out there fighting on their behalf but we pride ourselves on being member-led which is why we're always looking for members to to step up get a bit more involved as i say it could be as a workplace contact or maybe as a, a formal representative could be just turning up to your local association meeting so typically we try and have in each local council area uh, an NASUWT meeting each term um, and all members are welcome to go along to those. You can share your experiences there. Um, you know, for example, maybe at your school on behaviour, uh, that then allows your local secretary um, of any SUWT role. So typically as a teacher, um, but has taken on that role with the local authority to raise things on your behalf, either with your school or with the council more generally. Again, helps to put a, put a bit of pressure on. Um, you could attend one of our many training courses or conferences or events. There are a whole host of those uh, across the year. I won't go uh, giving a list right now, but for example, we literally just hosted uh, a group of probationary and student teachers at the weekend there um, where they were sharing their experiences. Um, we were giving them some feedback and some advice and some suggestions, um, and that was very successful. Um, or you might want to register to attend uh, our annual conference in Harrogate, our UK conference, which is over the Easter weekend, um, where you can debate motions and shape the future policy of the union. Again, just emphasising that member-led aspect where you can go along, you can have your say, you can vote, and you can decide what it is that you think we should be do doing next. Um, so we, we headline there for people that 16th of February is the deadline for registering as a delegate for our annual conference. Um, but that's just a flavour of, I think, you know, some of the key ways um, that, that some of the listeners who are maybe not involved at the moment um, could, I think, quite easily uh, get involved and help out. <laughs>